Hey, what's going on, that Nation? It is your truly TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And as you can see, I have a special guest with me here on the State of the Saints podcast from New Orleans.Football, the go-to guy, the official plug <laughs> of the New Orleans Saints, Mr. Nick Underhill. Nick, what's going on? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man, I definitely got to call you the sports plug, man. You, I mean, you co-signed by Elvin Kamara, man. So <laughs> you're I'm gonna have to cut him. I got to cut him a check for that. I think I, I don't know. Man. <laughs> but thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. And uh, Nick, I mean, this was a this was a disappointing year, man. You look at the New Orleans Saints uh, going twelve and four. Uh, you know, get a divisional round uh, game inside of the Superdome. Uh, going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the third time. Uh, they forced four, I mean, four turnovers in a game, cost them the game. And now you look at the New Orleans Saints, uh, a lot of things are changing. I mean, you got some coaches that are leaving, going to other opportunities, and you, you're going to have some players that might have to leave as well. But uh, I think no bigger story is uh, Drew Brees. Uh, Nick, I'm mm -hmm. just going to go ahead and ask, ask, uh, ask you the question. Um do you see this as Drew Brees' last year? Have we seen Drew Brees for the last time uh, in the Saints uniform? I would be pretty surprised if he if he plays next year. It just feels like everything's pointing toward him leaving this being the last year. He signed the contract with NBC. The, you know, it, the, the team has kind of even openly talked about their expectation of it being the last year. Peyton's alluded to it more than once, and he hasn't done that in the past. So I think coming into this year, there, there was that understanding it was going to be the last season. I mean, you never know. Like, he could have a change of heart, wake up today and be like, you know what, I want to do it one more time. But it, it's hard to see that happen. And it felt like this was kind of the, the farewell tour. And it kind of felt like, you know, I, it's hard to talk about him because you don't want to say anything disrespectful because of everything he's done and what he's meant to the team and to the city and all that stuff. And he had a multitude of injuries this year. But it just kind of felt – it just kind of feels like it's the time, you know. And I don't know, last year – the, the Minnesota game was a little bit rough in the playoffs, but I don't think at the end of last year it was like, all right, like he, he's probably done everything he's can. It feels like at this point, it just kind of feels like a, a, a good natural spot for that to kind of be where it kind of comes to an end. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you hear that his uh, wife, she spoke uh, uh, very uh, candidly about uh, Drew Brees, you know, of course, this season and everything that he, that he went through. I mean, a lot of things that we didn't know. And Nick, I, I want to ask you that, too. Uh, did you all have any inkling uh, that he was dealing with uh, some of those other things? I mean, I, I went back and I looked at uh, one of the interviews uh, that, that he did with you all. And I think somebody asked him about the, the tape that he wore on his shoulder. And um, his reply to them was, I got a lot going on. But did y'all yeah. did y'all know any of that other stuff, the, the cuff uh, and also the, uh, you know, those other injuries he was dealing with? So I, I definitely didn't know the shoulder was that bad. You know, they listed the shoulder and there was some some talk about the shoulder. And, I, you know, during the game, you would see him kind of like, you know, doing this stuff to it and like, you know, working it. So you, you kind of knew there was something going on there. The foot, there were some whispers about something happening around week five-ish. Um, so, yeah, again, but th there was no no indication it was it was that bad everything was oh, he's you know he's good he'll get through it he's you know he's a little bit older it takes a little longer to heal stuff like that like it, it didn't it didn't seem like he was you know nobody nobody was letting that on and I understand that like his wife should have put that out there she should have put it out there sooner when people were talking about him because it it kind of puts it all in the context and it's a little bit easier to understand like why when he comes back from the the ribbon lung injury like 
there's two games where he's able to throw the ball down the field and then he can't. And it just seems like the wear and tear probably added up on, on the shoulder. And then it just kept going. And you get to the playoff game. And now instead of hitting Emmanuel Sanders 50 yards down the field against cover two, like he did in the first game back, like now he's, he's struggling to throw the ball down the field at all. And it, it, it just added up. So I'm glad she put that out there because it, it makes it a little bit easier. Like he didn't necessarily just fall off a cliff, but you know, he got hurt and then, you know, reached that point. But no, I mean, like as far as this stuff being that bad, I, I had no idea it was it was as you know pro, you know progressed as as it was. Like you knew there was some stuff, but you know, year foot injury, it's just like oh, like he's got a foot bruise or something. Like I didn't know he had like plantar fasciitis and, and all this stuff. Wow, I mean, that's incredible. And um, the fact that she was the one that brought it up, he he never complained about it at all. And and I'm pretty sure if she didn't uh, put it out there, then we would have never known. I mean, I think yeah, probably not. That's the type of pride that he has. But uh, Nick, I, I gotta play a, I gotta play a little bit of devil's advocate here, you know, and I gotta think about something. If Sean Payton knew that Drew Brees was dealing with all of these different issues, all these different problems, why didn't he try to shut Drew Brees down maybe for to later on in the season? Why was it that Drew Brees in, in a lot of people's mind was rushed back for that Kansas City game? especially when I'm pretty sure Sean Payton knew all these things were going on. And you also have uh, two other quarterbacks that were more than capable of winning a few games uh, for them. So why do you think Sean Payton decided to go with Drew after all these injuries? I think it probably got to a point where he wasn't going to get worse. Like they didn't think he was probably going to get more injured. They probably, you know, you get to a point, it's just like, can you deal with the pain and then you perform? And look, I mean, Drew it, 70%. Again, this last game, I think, was worse than anybody expected. It was worse than any of the other games. Like, there were there was legitimate reasons, I think, for optimism in some of those earlier games when you start saying, oh, Drew's hitting these throws down the field now. He wasn't hitting them before. And now, right. oh, what happens if you put Mike Thomas in there? What's it look like then? And I think that, you know, all of us, like, we're looking at it through this, this ideal lens of, like, okay, he's doing this. Now all the pieces come in, and what's it going to be? It's going to be the defense is playing so good. The offense will, will get to a point, and it'll right. be better going forward you know, are you going to tell Breeze when he wants to come back and he's telling you he's fine that, like, you're not playing him for a taste of hell? Like, I think that's a tough thing to do. And if you believe that he can he can help you still win games, even if he's a little bit lesser, like, lesser Drew, I think, is still better than Taysom. But, you know, this this last game, it, it, the thing that bothers me about it is because, like, a lot of people are going to are gonna remember it like that. It's going to be like, oh, well, week one he struggled. The last game he struggled, so he was garbage the whole year. And, like, I don't think that was really the case. Like, I think week one, yeah, it was bad. They figured it out. They got in sync. And then by the end of the season, it looked like week one. But there were moments in between where, like, it got better. Or it was never all the way there. It was never the right. Saints offense. But I, I think that there still was legitimate reason for optimism heading into the playoffs that they were going to figure it out on offense and get better. But your quarterback's banged up. Your best receiver has multiple injuries that, that need surgery. Just a lot was going on, and it just it just never came together. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I guess I'm just a little confused <clears> because I mean, here you have Jameis Winston on the sidelines, and and we've seen that play that uh, the Saints did in the playoff. I mean, the play that they mimicked from the Chicago Bears the week before. I mean, he was throwing, he threw the ball down the field, and I'm pretty sure like people have their opinions about Jameis, but I'm pretty sure he could have, uh, you know did a little something, in my opinion, a little bit more than what Drew can do. And I, I mean, and I guess I'm looking at it as a, as being objective and as a Saints fan. I mean, that, that would, 
it just left a bad taste in your mouth. And you know that he was dealing with all these things. Now it, it just makes you wonder, like, why? You know, like sometimes I mean, and sometimes I feel like you have to protect the players from themselves. I mean, of course, you know, if a player is going to say I can play, but I think it's up to the coaches sometimes to look at those players. I mean, and the fact that he's been with uh, Drew Brees and talking Sean Payton for like 15 years, I would think that, you know, he would know if Drew was right and if he wasn't, you know, I mean, so I guess I'm just, a, I guess I'm just a little bit confused. I feel like that could have been handled a little bit better because like you said, uh, people are going to look at week one and people are going to look at the division round and, and they're going to look at Drew and be like, oh, well, he wasn't all that. And I feel like that that's a shame. Uh, but let me, yep. let me wait, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. No, I mean, I, I, I do think that they thought the shoulder got better. And that was the thing that I kept hearing is that like, oh, it wasn't just the ribs and the lung. Like the shoulder got better too. So I think they, they thought he, he had gotten better there. And again, mm-hmm. like the game before, like it didn't look like Drew was was finished or anything like that. Like the, the game before, like he was solid. He got into this game. And I think it like it just – a, like, he had a lot of stuff going on, but B, like, I think Todd Bowles probably just had a really good plan, too, yeah, which, which yeah, played yeah. a part in it. And if you're Todd Bowles after that 38-3 to beatdown, like, he was probably thinking about that game for 10 weeks, like, about how I'm going to come back, how I'm going to shut him down. And I think he did a good job with that. And then Mike's injured. He's not himself. There's a lot going on. I don't think it was all just Breeze. It's just it, it would be tough, like, coming off the first playoff game to be like, no, nah, I'm not playing Drew Breeze. I'm going with Jameis Winston here Taysom Hill here like I just don't think there was enough there but you're right like you get into that game and it was it was frustrating to watch because everything the Saints were clearly the better team everywhere except quarterback they were they were the better team I felt like they outplayed them everywhere you get to the 20 with Deontay you don't score you know you knew right away it was trouble with the way they were moving the ball on offense the two early field goals felt like the Rams game you know the Rams playoff game where they're like squandering opportunities and yeah, you're right. Like it, it, it was frustrating because you just knew the whole game, like they were not moving the ball on offense. But I just, I don't know if there was enough there before that game to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. Well, you didn't even have Taysom, so it's like I'm going with Jameis. Right. Like I just don't, I don't know if there was enough there to make that move. All right. Well, let me run something by you before we move on. Do you think that Sean Payton didn't really utilize Jameis Winston this season because of? what took place last year with Teddy Bridgewater. Like, I, I I feel like the Saints wanted Teddy Bridgewater to be Drew Brees' successor. And I think that they probably thought that Drew Brees, being the Iron Man that he was, was just going to play out that season, uh, wouldn't, have got, wouldn't have got hurt, and you have Teddy uh, that's just on the sidelines ready to take over once Drew retired. And we know about the five games he went 5-0, and right? And that he played his way out of New Orleans to Carolina. So do you think if Jameis Winston would have played a couple games this season, would have been successful? Do you think that was on the mind of Sean Payton, uh, knowing that, well, if Jameis, uh, we like him a lot, but if I play him and he looks really good, he might end up going somewhere else and we can no longer afford him. Do you think that was on the mind of Sean Payton possibly? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do think that he would have done really good. Like he's, he's a talented quarterback with talented coaches. And I think, you know, him, any quarterback, like they made Taysom look pretty good in some games. And and I think we all know Jameis has more natural skills than, than Taysom as, as a passer. And they use Taysom as a pocket passer. We know Jameis. So, you know, on one hand, there, there's, a, there's a flip side to this too. Though. Like if he wasn't 100%, you know, weird offseason, signs late, so he doesn't have all that. Like it's it's post-draft 
no no practices training camp you know we watched training camp there were highs and lows the highs were really high he made some of the best throws that like i've ever seen in a training camp like legitimately like he was doing stuff that was like awe-inspiring in training camp but there were also like a handful of interceptions so if he wasn't 100 percent ready like i feel like look it's probably not fair but Jameis is probably evaluated differently than a Taysom. It's just the way it is. Like he, he's just going to be looked at differently. And if Jameis goes out there and makes mistakes, that that's his audition for the league. And if he messes that up, like what happens? So if you're Jameis and you aren't a hundred percent there, like not playing before you are 2000% comfortable with the offense, I think isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world for the saints either. If he's developing behind the scenes and they're optimistic about him, and I, and I hear they are, and I, I think they want him back. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's not the worst thing in the world if, if people don't know how much he's improved and, and you want to bring him back next year to be your starter. It's not the worst thing in the world. But I do think that, like, they probably if, – if it was if it was very clear that Jameis was totally ready and much better than Taysom, I don't think, like, Sean would sandbag this season for a maybe next year. I think they would have went with the obviously better player. But, like, if it's neck and neck or, you know, Jameis is a little bit looking a little bit better than Taysom, but you know, Taysom knows everything and he's more comfortable. He can minimize the mistakes. I think it makes sense to go that direction. But look, I mean, long term, I think it, if they fix Jameis's turnover issues and it's it's fumbles with the interceptions, that stuff goes away. Like he's he's a top, he has top five, top seven arm talent. Like there's no question. So I would love to see him get to that point and, and come back. Let me shut off this fan, man. I'm sorry. I forgot to shut no, this no, off. No, I, I don't no, know if no, you can no, hear it. No, right. you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I really feel like uh, Jameis Winston uh, has a lot of talent. I, I really do. I feel like uh, who that nation that uh, if Jameis can cut down on the turnovers, um, I think that he'll be just fine. I mean, and we know that Drew Brees – I mean, you look at Drew Brees' stats, um, leaving San Diego and going back to uh, – and going to New Orleans, it was almost identical as far as the, the completion yep. percentage, the – the touchdown, the turnover ratio, like all of that was kind of identical to James. But uh Nick, so for the record, do you, you feel you feel that the New Orleans Saints are gonna bring Jameis Winston back, correct? I don't know if I feel it. I, I think they'd like to, and I think they should. And I don't like I don't I don't know how much his price goes up. It should go up. Like man, them being able to sign him for a million bucks was ridiculous. It was the second dumbest thing that happened this offseason next to like Cam Newton having no no options at all. Um just it's weird how, how the league works, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that they should be able to bring him back. It might be a little bit more, but I think uh, they have the best information. And if he, you know, somebody throws seven million at him, they they know and they can match it. And they can go incentivate and you know and let him earn the money or whatever one year deal. Maybe I think it would make sense for Jameis probably to sign a shorter term deal so that he can prove it. And you know, I don't think he should be locked in at some. It's kind of great. Like, I, I think with a good coach, stability. He never had stability in Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah, there was never. Good point. good point. He never had it. He never had it like a mentor there. Like, every court, like, he played with what? Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Ryan Fitzpatrick was like trying to cut his throat. He wanted the job. Like, right. he comes here, like, he finally has like, like people he can learn from, stability, a good system, uh, yeah. people secure him what they're doing. So, I, I'm, I'm extremely, like, I hope he's back because just, you know, I want to evaluate it. I want to see what he can do. I think I think that he can figure it out and, and be a good player. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna see what they do. Yeah, and not only that, Nick. I mean, you make some interesting points about Tampa, but you also have to look at the fact that I mean, he had the the whole franchise on his back. I mean, when you're the first overall pick, 
I mean, your pick to be the, I mean, the culture change, right? You know, like, so you go into the Tampa facility and everybody in the organization and, and everybody that they cheer for the Bucks expect for you to be the guy that changes their look, you know? So really they don't have the patience, you know, for you to try to figure it out. They, they want results right then and there. And when you combine the fact that they really didn't have a running game, I mean, they had Doug Martin, but he was in and out of the lineup. And they really didn't put a supporting cast around him. But if you look at the New Orleans Saints, he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to, like, right. have to put the entire franchise on his back. You can put pieces around him. I mean, so I think that that pressure being uh, let off of him might help him to develop with, the, yeah. you know, combined with the fact that people will be a little bit more patient with him uh, in New Orleans. But uh, speaking of uh, another Saints player, uh, Michael Thomas, uh, we talked about him a little bit, uh, you know, uh, during this interview. But there's a lot of talk about Michael Thomas. Uh, of course, uh, we know that he's getting ankle uh, surgery. Uh, he decided to uh, kind of forego uh, having surgery in the middle of the season because he wanted to play with Drew because he figured this was Drew last season. But, Nick, they got a lot of uh, stories going around here, uh, you know, talking about Michael Thomas not being happy, Michael Thomas wanted out of New Orleans, Michael Thomas uh, not really happy the way the organization is going and how he's being treated. Uh, how true is any of the, is any of this true? Like, is he happy? Is he not happy? Like, is he frustrated? What's going on with Michael Thomas? Man, I, I wish I could, I could tell you, I know, I don't think anybody knows what Mike Thomas is, is thinking ever. Like, I, just don't, I don't think he's, he's talking to people like that. You know, he's not, he's not calling up reporters and, and telling them that he's mad or anything. Um, so you're left trying to, you know, read the tweets and you don't know if he's like tweeting this lyric because it means something or tweeting this lyric just because he's listening to the song and he likes it. I, you know, so we're, we're all trying to read tea leaves. I don't know. Um, you know, but it's like, you know, you just said that he, he came back to play with Drew and helped Drew get there. So like, if he's that dismayed with the organization, like, why are you even doing that? Um, you know, I know before the Philadelphia game, that week at the end of the week, he kind of told the team like, Hey, like I got to shut it down and get healthier for the playoffs. Like I'm, I'm going to give you all I got today against Philly. And like, mm -hmm. that's it. I'm taking the next three weeks off. I'm going to be ready for the playoffs. So like he, he was still trying to, to help him get to where he wanted to go. He was fighting through, um, you know, injuries, playing through a lot of stuff. So I think all those things are, are good signs if we're, if we're trying to put it together. Um, you know, the fight with Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I, I think that, you know, at this point, Mike's maybe vindicated a little bit after you see everything right. that happened this year. Exactly. Like, throwing a punch at him might not be the most outrageous thing in the world. But, uh, look, I don't know. Like, he, he could be, you know, some of the stuff that came out after that. Like, if, if he were mad about it, I get it. You know, I think I think Mike takes everything extremely personally, and I think that's what makes him him great. But, you know, hopefully he finds a way to, to process this, this offseason and, and not let it become something that, you know, forces him out of here because I think he is very important to the future. If it's, if it's Jameis, you know, that helps. If it's any quarterback, it helps, but, uh, you know, especially someone like that, like you said, like, so he doesn't feel like he has to carry everything on his back. I think they have the pieces there for, for the next quarterback to succeed and not necessarily feel like they have to throw the team to victory every single week. And he's, he's a, he's a significant part of that puzzle. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, is he, okay. Do you see the Saints trading him? I mean, I, I kind of I kind of know why they wouldn't want to trade him, but just for the uh, people at home, uh, can you explain to them like what the Saints would have to would be giving up if they were to trade Mike, Michael Thomas? Yeah, well, I mean, if you trade him, 
mean, you're giving up like a ton of talent, obviously, yeah. the structure on the team. You just sign them to a massive contract. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you trade them, like you're, you're paying money, bed money, you know, the money counts on the cap. So the signing bonus, whatever it is, it prorates, the money left on that is staying on the books. So you're paying, you know, tens of millions of dollars for him to play football for somebody else for, for what? Like, so I think that he would have to make it very, very clear that like he's either a not going to show up to play or be extremely disruptive. And I, I don't know if that's in his DNA all the way, like not playing doesn't seem like I can't picture Michael Thomas, not playing football. It's just, I don't know. It, it'd be crazy. Um, yeah. And I don't think the situation is stop at, I don't know. Like he, he would just have to become extremely disruptive for them to like want to pay him to play somewhere else. And I don't know if it's at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, the only reason I'm saying this, I mean, I, I know that the New Orleans Saints don't want to get a, rid of Michael Thomas. I mean, but <laughs> the crazy thing about it is on the state of the Saints podcast, Facebook page and on Twitter, people have been sending me comments like, Trade Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas needs to go. Uh, he's a diva, this, that, and the third. So I just wanted you to explain to them why that would be absolutely ridiculous. And then on top of that, like, the guy was hurt. You know, like, right. and, and we have been through this before. Like, you look at Alvin Kamara last season. You know, Alvin Kamara, everybody's like, what's wrong with Alvin? What's wrong with Alvin? Alvin Kamara comes out and says, I was playing the entire season mostly at 71%. And once he said that, me as a fan, you know, I was like, okay, I understand. This season, I mean, he's arguably, you know, he, he arguably probably going to be offensive player of the year. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's like the the mindset of, of that sometimes, like they they may see production one year and don't see it the next year. They're wondering what's going on, and it seems like that's just the logical way to get rid of some, you know, to, to handle the issue, to get rid of a person. But I really like Michael Thomas and. Uh, like I said, I mean, like you said, he's a competitor. I mean, everybody talks about, I mean, from his old coach, Urban Mike, talks about how competitive he is. He never coached anybody as competitive as Michael Thomas. So why wouldn't you want a guy like that on your football team? I mean, this guy is exactly what you need uh, in your organization. I mean, when, when a guy's wired like that, I mean, it just tells me that he wants to be great. So I don't I don't see why anybody would even have the word trade and Michael Thomas in the same sentence. Uh but we move it'd be, tw- on. it'd be 20 million, 20 million on the cap if they trade. <laughs> 20 million? 20 million. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, man. And he, ain't, and he ain't on your team, you know? Like <laughs> well, he's yeah. not going anywhere. Just <laughs> 20 million. No, nah, no, nah, they already got some uh cap issues and and that, that's the, uh that's my next question to you. Uh, the Saints um being close to $100 million uh, over the cap. Uh, of course, we know that the cap most likely going to go down uh, due to COVID-19 this this season. And uh, the New Orleans Saints have some decisions to make, uh, you know, and, and some of the players that we probably uh, have seen and known and loved throughout the years might have to end up leaving. Uh, what player do you think uh, would be, I guess, the, the, the top priority for the New Orleans Saints to resign and what player do you feel like is going to be a cap casualty that may shock the Houdan Nation? The shocking one, I, I'm not sure. Like, they can do a lot of stuff to, to get under the cap without cutting a lot of name players. Like, you know, Nick Easton's probably got to go. Um, Malcolm Brown might be one that hurts that you got to let go uh, just for, for money reasons. But, like, a lot, they can do a lot of stuff to get to where they need to be, but they aren't going to have a lot of money to, to shop for new players. Um, you know, one of probably Trey Hendrickson or, or Marcus Williams 
is probably likely not going to be able to be brought back. Um, if you're just looking at it pragmatically, like they could get really aggressive and find a way, but you start doing aggressive stuff and now you're, you're tied to, you know, guys you don't want to be tied to for too long into the future. Like if, if you start pushing money forward, it becomes harder to get rid of, you know, instead of Cam Jordan aging up and, you know, at a point where he's no longer productive, like you're committed to him for, you know, $20 million or something like that. And you can't get rid of him. So that's, those are the positions you put yourself in. So that's what they need to evaluate is they kind of reboot into this new era is how much do they want to keep it together and at what cost. And that that's going to be interesting. So they can either choose to, to make a lot of moves and just kind of reset now and be good in a year or two, or keep pushing with this core and look, when you're, you're already committed to Mike, Alvin, and some other guys, I think there's probably still going to be like a reasonable level of trying to be competitive and keep a good team together because they already got a lot of money in the guys. And I think, um, you know, putting a good another quarterback in in place of Breeze, like they just won 12 games with like injured Breeze and, and Taysom Hill. Like I don't think it's that far of a stretch for them to go out and sign a veteran that gets cut or if Jameis fixes himself. You know, I, I don't think it's that hard for them to win 10 games with the players they have around quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be some stuff that happens and it's going to be it's going to be tighter for sure. I mean, they build the team like with the idea that the cap's going to go up 15 percent every year. And now it's dropping down to 180 million and they got to clear 95 million dollars worth of uh, contracts. So it's a uh, it's a lot, but it's not that hard. It's not it's really not that hard to do because they they build this stuff in to like push stuff down the line. Like that's their that's their whole cap management strategy is to push money into the future. So there's a lot of things there, but it's, it's tighter than it. It's absolutely tighter than it usually would be. Yeah. I mean, Nick, I, I've seen this movie before, you know, it's not a, it's not a year that goes by or maybe a couple of years that goes by, you know, the Saints uh, salary cap is always <laughs> in, in the news. You know, you're always seeing it in, uh, in, in, in mainstream sports, how they're going to fix this team, this, that, and the third. And, uh, Mickey Loomis, and uh, along with the, uh, the 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 financial department, they do an outstanding job, uh, you know, moving and shaking things around in order to keep core players. So, you know, but for me, you know, I just think that I think a top priority has got to be the Ryan Ramtex and the, and the Marshawn Lattimore's. I feel like those are the two top priority guys that you need uh, to resign for this team. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, I'm kind of on the fence, Nick. You know, I understand that he had a, a big season. But it's almost equivalent to me like Von Bell, right? You know, Von Bell, like before his contract, yeah, I mean, with forcing fumbles and, and catching interceptions. <laughs> I mean, he had like one of his best seasons. But, you know, if it came down to Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Williams, I think I would have to go with Marcus Williams because 100%. Marcus Williams has been more consistent than Trey Hendrickson, you know, like, but I think maybe an exception to last year where that was, uh, you know, that was kind of a down year for him. But, more often than not, Marcus Williams has been pretty steady at the safety position. That's something the Saints been lacking for a long time. So uh, I would definitely try to make him a top priority. And like I said, I understand pass rush is important, but I have to see more Trey Henderson. I mean, you combine that with only one year and also being in and out of the lineup. So, I mean, that, that would be my top priority. I'll pick Marcus Williams over Trey Henderson. Uh, but Nick, thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for uh, for your time. And let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill, and my website is neworleans.football. we got an article on there breaking down move by move, how they can get under that cap, so check it out. Yeah, y'all check it out, neworleans.football. Make sure y'all subscribe and 
I mean, like I said, Nick is the go-to guy, man. You know, we're going to start calling him the source Nick Underhill, you know, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I, like I said, I got to, Nick. I mean, look, this man has been co-signed by Alvin Kamara, man. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. And thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Make sure y'all subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search the State of the Saints podcast. Also, check me out on Twitter at State of Saints and previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Thank you so much, Nick. I really do appreciate the time, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care.